0: Hello and welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the above-average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man, and I am that man. My name is Juice. While we have a lot to talk about, UFC 252 is an amazing card. Um, This is the first time in a long time. Then I didn't watch the fights live. I was at a buddy's house, uh old friend from college who I hadn't seen in a really long time. And uh, we just had a, a guy's weekend, and uh, he's not a fight fan, so it wasn't part of the agenda. And uh, that was totally fine with me. Took a much-needed break from, from social media, and uh, I'm back. I'm ready to go. I watched these fights this morning. Unreal. Uh, I caught the main event live, I should say. Um Because we already had gone to bed that night, but I couldn't sleep. I was like, fuck it, I gotta watch the fights. I pulled it up on my phone. So good. Um, Wow. And uh, there's a couple things I wanna talk about. Um, First off, I wanted to give you my wife's perspective on the card, actually. Um, She normally watches the fights with me, but uh, sometimes in protest, or if it's not um, a stacked card, sometimes she'll uh, go do her own thing or whatever. Uh, We were apart because um, she had to stay with the Cats while I went to my buddy's place. It was like a six-hour drive for me, so it wasn't like down the street where we could both go. Um, And she texted me that she was watching the fights. And she gave me her her breakdown of the main card. She did not like the um, John Dodson versus Marab fight. Not a fan of that. Um, She did, however, love the Herbert Burns versus Daniel Panetta fight. She goes, this fight was lit. Um, JDS versus Rosenstrike. Great knockout. She hated uh, JDS's mustache, and rightfully so. I mean, that was a creep stash. Um, but I thought it was it was funny. He looked like a, one of those like bodybuilders from the nineteen twenties that they make fun of on Family Guy. They're it like, was a look. yeah, it was, it was a Luke L E W K. She said. Um, the the Sean O'Malley fight. She said weird, and then obviously we're uh, heartbroken for DC, uh, which I will get to. So I'm going to give you my takeaways from the fight. We're also going to um, touch on some fight news. And uh, then we're going to do the largest forum in FWM history. So excited. So many questions. One of them. I mean, I used to get like 50 questions back in the day, but I have a lot this time. So let's see how it goes. First off, put some respect on Merab Duvalishwili's really name. Merab willy Uh... This guy's an animal, he really is. He uh, he really implemented his game plan against John Dodson very well. Um, John Dodson is hard to look good against, and uh, I saw someone uh, tweet this out. He said, "Don't use the statistics of Barab's uh, takedown accuracy." to predict his fights from now on because it's going to be heavily skewed based on this fight. He went after John Donson. He was relentless. And I think officially, I mean, this is another thing I want to talk about with the stats people. Like, when, when do you count a takedown, when do you not? Because I've seen sometimes they count it, and I'm like, really? And then sometimes they don't count it, and I'm like, they should have. Like, when Marab kind of slammed him and then John Donson popped back up, they didn't count that. I was like, well, come on, dude. Um, but anyway, I guess he was like two for 22 uh, over three rounds, which is just nuts. Um, John Dotson, super slippery, super hard to take down, was kind of grabbing the fence in the first round. But overall, um, John Dotson didn't look good. Uh, I, I'm going to say that. Now, which is not to say, you know, to discount Marab's win by saying he'd be like, a oh, washed up John Dotson. That's not what I'm saying, is that John was mostly in defensive mode and was not really doing that much damage to Marab. Marab, even, even when he was like relentlessly pursuing the takedown um and not getting it, he was like kneeing him in the thigh. He was staying busy. Marab is just a workhorse man. He has such good cardio. I bet he could do that for, for 25 minutes. Easy. Easy. And, you know, I have a feeling they, they trained for five rounds. And you know I was thinking something funny when he was um uh getting his doing his interview uh he's just so friggin' delightful um, I mean, I've said that before, that's not a new thought, but what I was thinking, I was remembering, I was like, is it something about Georgia? Cause I remember, um, uh, Giga Chikadze's interview where he kind of like put his foot in his mouth about international women's day, but he was, he was doing it like in a super nice way. Just not really sure how to bring it up. Um, but he was being super nice. And I was reminded of this time, uh, I used to work at a car dealership in LA and, uh, we had this customer from Georgia one time who was like, a ball of sunshine and he was like i want the delights and he was like i, I mean that that sounds like a bad like italian freaking accent uh but i swear that's kind of what he sounded like it was like he was so bubbly like that and he was like i want this one to have a head up display like he was just so um excited and, and that's what the energy I get from Marab, I love it. He saw how to be there, he's like, I get to quit my construction job. I can get the house in New York. He was so happy, man. I cannot like if you don't like Marab, just I don't know, whatever. If if I see anyone fucking calling Marab a boring fighter or or saying he's guilty of lay and prey or anything about that, miss me with that shit, dude. Any uh Marab slander can be directed to the trash. Because that's, that's all it is. Marab is is the king. I didn't think he was boring. I thought he had the other fighter was <laughs> I know. Take me to the trash. <laughs> yeah. I right, says take me to the trash. That's funny. Um, in a minute, babe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got to say this as well. Uh, I saw a lot of discredit. For Tito Vera's win. What's up with that, dude? Hey, listen. I saw everyone talking about the leg injury. Like it was this whole thing. And I I for some reason the way people were were talking about it, because I, I briefly saw it on Twitter before I watched the fight. I thought that maybe he hurt his leg and was finished instantly. No, no. That's not what happened. First of all, they both were landing a bunch of leg clicks. That was the, kind of the primary strike in the beginning of the fight. Um, and uh, one of Marlins did damage to, to Sean. Although I will say it's kind of unclear whether it was the, the leg kick or it was a stumble from Sean. But as uh, my good buddy Rhino pointed out, injuries are part of the fight game and they can happen in the fight and it's completely legitimate. And what happened after that was Marlon doing work, dude, and Sean, for his to his credit, was moving, was trying to hide it. I mean, it clearly was limiting him, but it wasn't like like dude in the Andre Sukumtot fight, and this is why Andre Sukumtot is like should not be fighting like Sean O'Malley was hopping on one leg this fight Sean was like kind of trying to make it seem like he could still do stuff, was kind of fainting. And, and throwing his hand still uh, no Marlon did what he had to do and the and the stoppage by herb Dean I think we're so conditioned to calling his stoppages bad that the the initial like jerk reaction was to call it an early stoppage. in my opinion, maybe a tad early, but for the most part, pretty on time you know if I'm honest because like Sean was getting hurt. When when you are uh when you have a one limb that's compromised, that severely limits your ability to stand up. And so it's it's almost like he couldn't really get out of there and would have just taken you uh unnecessary damage. I am not to say useless damage, but unnecessary damage. And so, ultimately, Herb Dean saved him from that, and as soon as they stopped the fight, you didn't hear a protest from Sean. All you heard was him wincing about the the ankle, and obviously probably a little bit in pain from the ground and pound. I'm sure Sean's going to do an interview saying, like, those shots weren't shit, whatever. Like, that's fine, and, and that's... I, I expect him from that, and I can't wait for that, to be honest, because, again, I'm a fan of Sean O'Malley as well. But, dude, Chito deserved this win. Don't fucking... Uh I don't know. Again, miss me with that shit. If you are if you are discrediting Cheeto's win, calling it a fluke, calling it uh you know more Sean's injury than Cheeto's actual uh performance, miss me with that shit, dude. Completely miss me. I am not even entertaining that. But I will say the main event, uh, for the most part without controversy. And I don't necessarily want to talk about the actual fight so much as I do the conversation surrounding the fight. So the promotion for this fight, and not just by the UFC but by the fans as well, they're saying that this fight was to determine the the GOAT heavyweight, the greatest heavyweight of all time. And I saw a fair amount of the hardcore pushing back on that, saying that uh, a... No, it's not. Because it's already A regardless. Or there's a few saying, oh, Fedor uh, exists. And this is going to be the theme of the night. Miss me with that shit, dude. Um, in my opinion, this was for the current greatest heavyweight of all time. Or at least you could say greatest heavyweight of the UFC. There could be a caveat on it, but don't. Try and discredit like the importance of this fight. I mean, this is like a true bona fide heavyweight trilogy. I mean, this is our this was our Ali Frazier man. I mean, this was this was really like the best of the best. Going at it, they were one and one. Say what you want about the first fight, DC finished them. And then Stipe finished DC in the second fight. Like, they're legitimately, they were one-on-one. And And all credit to Stipe. Take nothing away from his win. Um, Obviously, the eye poke was a factor. I don't see how you could say that it's not. But um, Stipe fans, I, I, I have to say, were incessant talking about the eye pokes from the first two fights. So, other than to talk about it now... I'm not even going to go into it as far as whether or not I think that was a big deal. I'm not going to take away from Stipe in that regard. He still had an amazing, amazing performance. Clear, dominant victory. Um, yeah, I think it was three rounds, too. I don't know about the 49-46s um, the uh, that were there. But my, my, my main thing I wanted to talk about was this. Why do we even have the GOAT conversation to begin with? As I said, I'm fine with them using that for this fight. It's it, first of all, it's promotion. They can do whatever they want to promote the fight. And, but the, the pushback from the fans, like y'all, look for stuff to complain about sometimes. Like Jesus Christ. But my thoughts, and I just want to reiterate this for anyone who hasn't listened to my my past work. I don't think uh, the the greatest stuff of all time conversation is is something that's even worth talking it's barbershop talk at best there are no like quantifiable um tangible reasons uh criteria rather um it just it's just like there's literally no way the only time when you can actually determine something is when two people are in the same weight class at the same time in their relative primes, which is kind of what we get. I mean, obviously DC's not really in his prime, but he got into fighting late. So to to, to bring up his age as a, as a gauge of whether or not he's in his prime, I don't think is like telling the full story, you know, like he got into MMA later in life and, uh, I think he's only been fighting since, well, like 2010, really. Um, and people have fought longer, you know, in MMA. So, um, like, DC was d- the champion not that long ago. So, I think this is two guys, relative primes, you know, going at each other. And, and Stipe earned every second of that victory, you know. And, and so, for for him to be the, the greatest heavyweight of all time, more power to him. I love that. and And for anyone to take that away is just petty like again i get it you hipster you think fedor is the, is, is the greatest favorite of all time that's fine dude and that's why i think it's a it's a more apropos thing to say the greatest of our era and even that is uh up for debate because what what constitutes an era like <laughs> mma is so new i feel like we've had several eras already um and even that it's like when do you define it I don't know. So, that was my, th- those are my thoughts on the fight. Overall, amazing, amazing fights. I'm not going to get into it too much because, um, well, there's a lot of questions in the forums, so, so, I, I don't want to spare all of my thoughts. But, um, there are a couple of uh, bits of news that I want to talk about. So, let's quickly transition to that. Um, Luke Rockhold has announced his return. And when asked why you know last we heard from Luke Rockhold he said I don't know whether or not I want to compete anymore um, I don't want to throw out the word retirement but that may have been my last uh, fight you know in regards to the yawn fight and I'm obviously paraphrasing but when asked for a reason he said cause I felt like it hey Luke Rockhold You've been knocked out in two of your last three outings, three of your last four, and I think four times overall, like Vitor Center of the Shadow Realm, um, and then obviously Bisping, Yoel, and Jan. You have to know that's a strong possibility if you come back regardless of who. So to say, because I felt like it, to me, the problem is not fixed. The arrogance is still there. There are tons of Luke Rockhold fans that think I am too hard on him. And and let me tell you something. No, I'm too easy on him. Fuck Luke Rockhold. Absolutely fuck Luke Rockhold. And one of my favorite parts of being an MMA fan is being a hater. And, and I will not give him an ounce of credit. You can call me poor, you can call me ugly, that's fine. Luke Rockhold is a piece of shit. Now, as far as how I feel about him coming back, if he wants to put his health in the line for my entertainment and uh, donate some brain cells so that I can watch him uh, get sent to the mat and be separated from his consciousness, please, I'm all for it. Dana, pay this man. Pay this man so so I can see that because it's good for my mental health. But in, in terms of is it good for this sport? No. Doesn't do anything. This guy thinks he's gonna fucking like last time he fought, he thought if he beat Jan, he could then fight John Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Miss me with that as well. <laughs> um But I can't I can't decide which is the correct uh narrative here, Luke, as well. Because I heard I heard him say and and, and I want to shout out the woecast. Uh, amazing uh, first episode of Shots Fired, uh, which is a uh, you know sort of a sub section or sub uh, show of uh, under the WOCast banner, I guess. It's with G, Mike, Kairos, and Chisanga Malata. And the aforementioned Chisanga had an interview with Luke, and um, Luke said that he might want to fight Chris Weidman. Um, he might want to fight Anthony Smith fine with both of those. Obviously the Chris Weidman one is uh is one we'll be wanting to see since UFC 199 when they were booked for the rematch. And um I think neither of their careers will be truly over until we get that uh rematch. That's how I personally feel about it. But I also heard an interview um not heard rather. I heard of it. I I read an article um that said he wants to fight uh Hermanson or Darren Till. Jack Hermanson or Darren Till. Hey man, Those are killers and are, like, in their respective primes, basically. You're old. Again, if you want to donate brain cells for my entertainment, by all means, call out Darren Till. He'll smash that jaw into pieces. But if you think you're going to be competitive... You got another thing coming. So, I guess we'll see. As far as Luke Rockhold, you know, we don't know. We don't know. Now, Max Roshkoff was uh, cut from the UFC, was was given his walking papers. Man, this kind of makes me sad a little bit. First off, I get it. He had one fight and he basically quit. Now, I think, um, in my opinion, he gets a pass. You know, it was short notice. Um, He was gassed. And it was his first fight in the UFC. There's a lot of pressure. And I don't, I'm not going to sit here and hate on him for that. And anyone who does should reevaluate their life. Now, in terms of looking at the overall, like, sport business aspect of it i get it however this sends a very dangerous message uh because in my opinion uh that sort of thing what he did we should be more accepting of that we should be more accepting of that uh of of a guy who is just like i'm done you know who wants to save him from himself because the the ref in the corner are not going to And so what that does is send a message, Hey, anyone who comes to our organization on any sort of notice. And if you quit, um, you're done. So that's going to cause some people to maybe make some decisions. They shouldn't and, uh, not get out when they still can, if that makes sense. You know, do you get what I'm saying? I, I hope you get it. I hope you're hearing this and going like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, You know, they should not like. Come on, dude, give him one more shot. And first off, like he's young in his career—not only young in age, but young in his career—he could make it back to the UFC easily. So it's not the worst thing for him. But again, sends a dangerous message. You know, just wow. I don't know. I, I I honestly, and, and like the fact that they. Like this kind of like bothers me. I was thinking about this as well. So so they cut Max Roshkoff and sometimes like you hear Dana say, like, oh it's a numbers game. You know, we well, only have a certain amount of uh fight cards, certain amount of roster, you know, gotta gotta trim the fat somewhere. This motherfucker, the last two weeks on contender series is just like, yeah, everyone gets a contract. Bro, come on. Like you used to be so fucking selective on that show, and now that there's a pandemic, you're like, Yeah, everybody, but not Max Roshkoff. Fuck him. Like, dude, unbelievable. And I want to say this as well. Um, I said that about um, Max Roshkoff. I was very critical of his coach, Robert Dreisel, for wanting to send him back in there. And I listened to an interview with him, eased my mind a little bit. And then I, uh when I read the article about Max Worskopf being released, he gave sort of his statement on that fight, and he said that, you know, he was doubting himself. And he, he didn't even mention the fact that he was gassed, which, in my opinion, he was, but that may or may not have been a factor. Uh Like, even if he was, he might have, you know, been able to overcome that, I guess. But he said it was a mental thing. He said he kind of felt like he didn't deserve to be there, which uh Robert Drysdale had said, and so it kind of lines up with that. And, uh... Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just, it's not a good look for the UFC, in my opinion. Lastly, Paige Van Zandt, uh was signed to Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, Bare Knuckle Boxing. Kind of out of left field, but at the same time, not really. Like, we heard they were in talks uh, a few weeks ago. That, that rumor was sort of circulating um, It was either like a few weeks Or a month ago It was not too long after the Amanda Hibas fight They were like Yeah Paige um, Test the waters of free agency We don't need you." Basically is what, huh, what Dana White was saying I sort of saw this coming Like once I heard it was a rumor I was like oh they're going to sign Paige First of all she's the biggest possible name They could sign in In women's mma like she's the the biggest free agent in women's mma even though bare-knuckle boxing is not mma they sign a lot of mma fighters because who the fuck else would do bare-knuckle boxing like boxers you know unless you're poly goddamn malignaggi are not uh gonna go in there but they understand yeah we wrap our hands and put gloves for the protection of our hands not the protection of our opponent so I'm excited to see what Paige is going to do in, in BKFC, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm a little worried, uh, simply because boxing was never her, like, biggest attribute. Um, certainly, now that she's signed there, she, she'll, she'll be focusing on that basically 100%, although she might want to um, sharpen up, you know, just keep her grappling skills fresh and things like that and keep her kicks sharp because in my opinion she always had better kicks and in, in, in terms of the striking uh and then it was her her grappling as well that was uh you know winning her some positions in certain fights but i, I get it like page her goal and this should be the goal for you know most fighters get in get rich get out and that's what she's doing she's Using her marketability and her skills to get her the most money possible in a short amount of time. And whilst people do, uh, you know, take a lot of like f- aesthetic damage, cosmetic damage from uh, from bare knuckle boxing, it's not uh, long term damaging. You know, they can fix that. You know, she can get plastic surgery to uh, repair those uh, wounds. And I think she'll be fine, dude. It's not even going to hurt... Like, the only, the only uh, thing that this is would hurt her other sort of avenues that she makes money with is if they she books a photo shoot or a a gig like a week after her fight and ends up having like a bloodbath where she's all cut up. But that's, you know, shame on whoever booked that. You know, so I'm looking forward to it, to be honest with you. I really am. Um, they're going to get my money. They are. Uh, looking forward to this uh, a lot, so... That does it for news and uh, the UFC 252 takeaway. And let us now transition to the forum. All right, before I get into the voice questions, I wanted to, uh I'll read this one from my, uh, from my guy, guy, <laughs> from my boy Guy Shook, at Guy Shook 79, spelled just like it sounds. Uh, he sent me this tweet and he said, I want to get your thoughts uh, for the forum. He said, I'm on a, This is the tweet. I'm honestly curious. Are you a little more lenient with your judgment of fighters who miss weight while training? uh, While trying to train during this outbreak Hashtag UFC 252 Um, And I want to also read a response To that tweet from the homie Matai Stevenson Because it basically encapsulates My thoughts and then I'll elaborate Uh, He said I was at the beginning Now not as much Because things have opened up a bit more Yeah like when I And I said I was pretty adamant about this on the podcast I remember um, Anyone that misses weight From you know, during the pandemic gets a pass from me. Um, and that, that's, that was my thought and, and it's not so much as now that things are opening up more because even still, um, like that isn't the case everywhere, not only within the United States, but internationally, not, and not only that, um, even if you are able to stay open, you don't have like all of the coaches aren't available, and even like where they go. Um, you know, I've I recently learned that they just have those like portable saunas because they're trying not to have you know be unsanitary having everyone in the same sauna, things like that. Um, and that makes practices harder. But I'll say this: I, I thought about this uh, I think a couple fight cards ago. for the most part people are still making weight i would say and and i'm not a numbers guy i don't like follow the stats of certain things i i like they're interesting sometimes but i don't go out and hunt them for certain things i would wonder if there's a statistic if someone would would find the average uh of the amount of times fighters missed weight before the pandemic versus now i bet it's the same maybe i mean Obviously, there's a a smaller sample size now with the current, you know, pandemic. But, hey, man, uh, like, take the same amount of fight cards, however many we've had since they first came back, and um, grab, you know, that many amount of random fight cards from before. Compare, see if they have the same amount of weight misses. I've been thinking that recently. I really have. And, like, Benil Dariush explained, you know, he missed it because he wasn't used to that portable sauna thing. I get it, you know. Th- that's where they kind of get a pass from me a little bit, but at the same time, like I said, other people are making weight under the same circumstances, so um yeah, no, basically no, and you know with a small caveat, like I said, um, if you had asked this question three weeks ago, I would say, yeah, absolutely anyone does is a piece of shit um anyone who doesn't is a piece of shit, um but honestly. Like, uh, like Matai said, things are opening up a bit more. You, you people have, are even, because it, it, it was at a certain point where they were announcing, like, it felt like every fighter was on like a two week camp. Like they weren't really training, uh, or at least they were announcing the fights, um, quicker. Like they were all really quick fights. Now it seems like they're, we're kind of back to normal in terms of having a, a training camp. Or at least the UFC has been having these conversations with fighters for a while saying, get ready, here's a date of mine, and they maybe get their opponent within a few weeks. But no, I don't die. Um, but like I said, we, with a small caveat that you know there is some some exception, I'm still willing to, to at least take it under under consideration. But not when you factor in the fact that everyone else makes way. Like, case in point, Danielle, uh, Daniel Pineda talked about this uh, with Herbert Burns. He had, what, two weeks notice? And he said he he cut tw- or 21 pounds in two weeks? And uh, Joe Rogan was like, how much does that upset you that he missed weight and you cut all that weight in two weeks? He goes, yeah, I was mad, dude. He's like, I only got 20% of his purse. I wanted 30. Which goes to show you um, get a better manager, I guess. Um, I don't know, but yeah, no. Honestly, for me, I I don't anymore. But I'm not gonna have the same. I don't know. I used to get really like kind of self righteous about people that miss weight, and I really hate the people that like, um, train on on MMA Twitter, um, that like to like flex that on everybody. Like, whenever someone misses weight and there's a huge like outcry, they're like, "You have never cut weight in your life. You don't know what it's like." It's like, bro. I don't care. It's a part of their job and it affects their opponent. So yeah, I'm going to bitch about it. So whatever. But yeah, honestly, that's, that's my stance on it now. And and I, I know that was like a complicated way of saying, or a kind of roundabout way of basically saying no, but a little, (laughs) but yeah, that's how I feel. Great. Great question guy. I'm actually going to retweet that right now. Um, just so we can, um, get the conversation more onto the ether. Um, much respect to, to guy. And, um, Yeah, that was the only DM question I have. So let's start the voice questions. The first one is from my homie T-Cross. You guys got to go check out his podcast, Tea Time with T-Cross. Here's what he said.
1: Hey, yo, Juicy Baby. I got a serious question for you. Uh, Do you think the government should step in and force Brock Lesnar to have a kid with Gabby Garcia for scientific reasons? Uh, Thanks. Let me know.
0: Bro. First off starting it by saying i have a serious question and then do you think the government should force two people to have a kid the government shouldn't force to be <laughs> oh man why am i dissecting this, this is clearly a uh comedic thing when he sent that i was actually in the drive-thru at mcdonald's with my boy um like i said that would the guy, my my buddy that i went to visit i played that a lot we both started laughing and I was like, here's uh, those two people for context. And basically, we were laughing even harder. Uh, dude, if you haven't... If you don't know who Gabby Garcia is... I assume you know who Brock Lesnar is if you listen to this podcast. But if you don't know who Gabby Garcia is, go Google it's G-A-B-I Garcia. And honestly, dude, the thought of them... Like, I texted him right away when he said this. And... uh <laughs> yeah, we're just going back and forth it was like just just think about it I was like no, I, don't want to, I don't want to think about them smashing are you kidding me um but yeah like n- no but can you imagine what their kid would look like I honestly would be terrified even like like if for some reason like, they had a kid, right, and, like, I had to adopt, and that was the only kid available, or I was suddenly, like, forced into a position where I had to, like, be the manny for that kid, basically the caretaker for that kid, um, I would be terrified of them, I would be totally terrified of them, I bet they would be like that, man, y'all seen that baby on the, on the timeline, that massive Baby! It would be like that, but like a little more muscular and like would have a mustache at age eight. Uh, (laughs) Seriously. um, T-Cross, you make me laugh so hard. Uh, Thank you for that, bro. All right. Next question.
1: Listen, man, I'm not crying. You are. When we look back at Daniel Cormier's illustrious career, not just at light heavyweight, but at heavyweight, what he did in Strike Force, what he did in the UFC, what do you think is your favorite moment of his career? Whether it's him competing, whether it's him winning, whether it's him conducting himself in an admirable way inside or outside the Octagon, what moment sticks out the most to you? He's given this sport and us a lot of great things. Not just, I'm curious what sticks out in your mind.
0: Man, first of all, thank you for this, Kairos. Uh, shout out to Kairos. Go give him a follow at Kairos MMA. Um, subscribe to his YouTube channel. Um, I'm really looking forward to I uh, Man, whenever Kairos videos drop, I get so hyped. He puts out great content. I really mean that. And I love his contributions to the WOCast. Um, damn. Like when he said he sent this question right after the fight, pretty much, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm right with you, brother." Like I was uh, already emotional. I still haven't watched the the post fight interview, by the way. Uh, like as soon as they read the result, I was like, "Okay, I, I need to cope with this," and that's it. And I heard people complaining about uh, DC, um, um, just just the way he did his interview. Again, miss me with that, but. This is a great question, Kairos. Um, I, there is no one answer for this. I, I'm I'm gonna g- let me go off for a second. Can I be real a second for just a millisecond? Let down my guard and tell the people how I feel a second. Man, uh, DC has given us so much. First off, uh, such an amazing ambassador for the sport, like, such an amazing father and role model. Uh, like even. It's so endearing, even in a loss, like when uh, when he lost to John Jones at UFC 214, and and they show him on the uh, on the jumbotron what happened, and he starts crying. Like he wears his heart on his sleeve. And uh, I've been listening to DC and Hawani, uh, his show. He's now on Air Hawani show on Mondays for the past several weeks, and you just see so many different sides of him. <laughs> And, uh, you, he really just seems like an awesome guy to, to hang out with some of my favorite DC moments. First of all, the Gustafson fight, like respect him for a, I mean, talk, let's talk about this. He lost to John Jones the first time. And then what was it? Three weeks later, uh, you know, John, or, or I think he, he fought on three weeks notice. So it may not have been through three weeks later, but it was later on that, um, Jones was booked to fight rumble. That's when the whole pregnant lady fiasco happened, and uh, they called Daniel Cormier to step in. He takes on Rumble Johnson, the scariest dude in that division. That's obviously, obviously not John Jones, um, and takes his biggest shot. Man, the the fucking the the clip of of DC getting like going flying across that octagon. Uh, Amazes me. I think it's in the first round against Rumble. Uh, massive overhand from Rumble just sends DC flying across the cage. And if you haven't already, I would say definitely check this out. There's an awesome video of DC watching that fight and, and a couple of other fights, like highlights of his career with Robin Black. And he asks him. He shows him that moment. And he says, well, "What was going through your mind there? Like what? Like do you know why you got up?" And he says well for two reasons Like first and like Robin Black Pointed out the technical reasons which is You know he saw it coming just in time And kind of um, Leaned back and so it kind of glanced Him uh, in that regard But he also said that Mentally what was going through his mind Was just like I can't lose Again like I gotta get up Just hearing him describe that So awesome Uh, He also uh had a nice breakdown of the of the Dan Henderson fight. That's for some. That's his favorite fight of his career, <laughs> like one of them. Um, but I love that also. Like right after that, he went around and fought uh, Alexander Gustafsson, who gave him another like fight of his life. So like DC, oh, just just always a company man. My my favorite uh, DC line ever. And I, I I sometimes just like watch this video because I really wish like. This fight had materialized because of this. When he called out Ryan Bader in the press conference, and he was like, Sit down, Bader. And then he was like, I asked him to fight you. I said, Give me the easiest fight in the division. Give me Ryan Bader. I want an easy paycheck. There's something about aggressively calling out a guy like that and saying they're an easy fight. Like, clearly, not saying because if you call someone an easy fight and you don't fight them you could still say like oh well you're ducking them or whatever even though like you said they're an easy fight but at the same time you're also saying like not worth my time but that could be like i don't know gamesmanship but to say like yeah give me that guy i'll fight you right now easy money like something about that is just amazing um and um fighting anderson silva on oh, like two hours not two hours Forty-eight hours, like two days' notice, uh, and despite what Cowboy uh, Cerrone said, I I liked his performance a lot. I did not think he fought like a. Not even gonna say it, obviously, because Cowboy Cerrone is a piece of shit for saying that. Yeah, uh, so many, so many great moments, Kairos. I, I can't even tell you, like, I I've become a big fan of Stipe over the years, and uh, bef- like the night that um, DCB Vulcan and Stipe beating Ganu. I was like, these are the two best fighters in their divisions right now, and um, I just uh, I never thought they would face each other, and I never thought I would have to choose. And now it's become this heated rivalry where you know Stipe fans are like, you know, fuck DC and and all this shit, uh, which we're about to hear, and uh, it, it kind of makes me sad because I really I really like Stipe, but uh, DC is my guy. And uh, I'm going to miss his contribution to the sport, but I'm super excited for what else he's going to do with detail and uh, all his other endeavors, you know, on the broadcast. He's right now one of the best commentators they have. Like I was watching the broadcast going like, why is the commentary shit? Oh, yeah, because DC's not on it because he's fighting, you know, that's where we're at right now. Thank you, Kairos. Uh, always, always love uh, your contributions to, to my show and, uh, and to yours. All right, let's hear from my man, Natraj.
1: Juice, Natraj here. Man, I'm so happy. I'm so happy for Stipe that he won and he got the result. And hopefully, finally, he will get the respect that he deserves. And at this point, mostly because of the commentary team's bias, I'm at the point of going fuck DC. Honestly, I like him. He's a very good guy, obviously. Great fighter, ambassador of the sport, all that bullshit. But man, nobody showed this much Stipe when he literally had to stop fighting because of DC's eye pokes. But now, because this is DC's last match, oh my god, the the eye poke. Meh, meh, meh. Shut the fuck up. Stipe got poked in the eye in both matches. Lost once, won once. That's the goat. That's how you do it.
0: First of all, good sir, I'm happy for Steepy as well. And I don't know about the respect he finally deserves. He's been getting a ton of respect. Um, Yeah, like even before the, the DC fight, the like before the first one, they were calling him the greatest heavyweight of all time. He just created the narrative you know that maybe there was another one that kind of had to battle it out for supremacy, but I, I never felt like he was being disrespected. So I don't know, but that's me. Second of all, direct that towards the commentary. If if you are not liking the narrative about the the eye pokes, direct that at the commentary. Yeah, I I, I don't uh, I don't think that's that's fair to to DC. I mean, he did bring it up in the interview, but um, I don't know. Like, just because Stipe didn't mention it doesn't mean that it's not a, like, apropos thing to talk about. Like, Stipe's not that kind of guy. He's not outspoken, but I don't know. First of all, can we as fans stop, like, focusing on eye pokes? Yeah, they are one of the worst fouls. And until we fix them, they're going to happen a lot. They need to change the gloves, and they need to enforce point deductions. Like, bottom fucking line. But can we not, like, iPokes happen. Can we stop pretending that they're intentional? Can we stop, like, I I just, I'm sick of this whole business with iPokes. Like, miss me with that. I just, I need to stop saying that. But, dude, fucking A. I love you, Nitraj, and I love uh, your next question. We actually have um, two questions. It's funny. Two questions back-to-back about Kai Kamaka. So I'm going to to play those back-to-back. Um, obviously, the other one from Nitraj and uh, from my buddy Combat Sports The Rhino.
1: Hey, Juice. One more thing, uh, and this is important. Man, Kai Kamaka and Tony Kelly, what a card opener that was, Jesus. And this made me realize one thing, the fact that over the years, UFC had so many good Hawaiian fighters who have been putting on absolute banger of fights for UFC and Dana, that bald fraud, not putting up a UFC Hawaii show, that is basically criminal. He should be fucking arrested for that shit. Jesus, man, but what a what a great fight, what a great card. Hope you're doing well, and yeah, happy weekend.
0: Okay, I lied. I'm not going to play Rhinos just yet because I forgot that um, Natarj made a great point. It is a fucking crime that we don't have a UFC Hawaii yet, and Bellator has been to Hawaii uh, a few times. Obviously, there have been a couple shows in Hawaii back in the day, But in the modern UFC era, they have not been to Hawaii. And it's a goddamn shame. Like, I was thinking about this. The fact that fucking Fight Island was not Hawaii. I know that was for international fighters, but... I don't know. They could have figured it out. Like, Jesus. I don't know. Yeah, we need... There are so many Hawaiians in the UFC. They always deliver. And, uh, Yeah. Kai Kamaka versus Tony Kelly, fucking unbelievable fight. I really like that fight a lot. So props to them, and let's get a fucking UFC Hawaii card. Hey, Juice,
1: it's your homie Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. So big pay-per-view last night, UFC 252. Lots to digest, lots to dig into, lots to take away from, but... My favorite fight from last night really was the very first one in the evening. Kai Kamaka versus Tony Kelly in the featherweight division. My goodness was that fun. We all know what a deep and stacked division 145 is. Can you kind of navigate maybe who you think the next fight or two could be for Kai Kamaka or Tony Kelly? Again, those guys put it on the line. I loved every second of it. Big ups to both of them and especially to Kai for uh, getting the clear UD. All right, buddy. Love you. Love the show.
0: We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yes, Rhino. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, go check out Combat Swords of Rhino Right now He had an amazing interview With uh, Janae Hollowpoint believe Of uh, Tour 145 Fame Fucking A Do that fight And then uh, Nataraj called it out as well Like I said I almost played him Simultaneously But I forgot I, I wanted to Insert a little thought About Nataraj's uh, Calling out of Dana White <laughs> He should be arrested For that shit Love that By the way Um, Dude uh I got to say so as far as your question like what should ne- be next for them or kind of where they should navigate featherweight is one of the deepest divisions in the sport um not only just the top 15 being so stacked but the unranked uh fighters in that division like so so deep but I thought of a couple names and this could kind of go for either guy um I would love to see like Kai Kamaka versus Edson Barboza. Uh Barboza just fought another tough Hawaiian in Danigue. In my opinion, beat him. That was a not good decision, in my opinion. But uh I think they would put on a fucking dog fight. Uh I also love uh Jeremy Stevens for either of them. Like that would be just a just just a really uh, amazing fight, and I, I think uh, this gentleman had moved to bantamweight. I don't know if he plans to stay there permanently, but Enrique Barzola would uh, would be a great uh, opponent for them. How about Bobby Moffat Is he still in the UFC? Uh, would it be an, that would be another uh, great opponent for them? Ch- Chad Skelly, uh, Jesus, like you could go like this guys. The, I I, w- I want to see them against a warm body. Either of those guys, I really do, like whoever, like line them up, fucking Makwan Amir Arnold Allen, like really anyone, so thank you Rhino now let's hear from the legend of all legends, Smokey J
1: juice fine with myself
0: smokey jay here from australia fucking do i have a question for you this week man well, yes that's my first question and the answer is yes but i actually do have a real question that requires an answer from you juice and that question is how the fuck is the sugar show man how's his leg that's all bye <laughs> i can't get enough smokey jay man never change um How's the sugar show? How's this like? I don't know. I uh, I literally right before I started recording this, I saw a tweet from my boy Phil, the MMA dude. Shout out to him, co host of the split decision podcast. And um, he <laughs> it was just a screenshot of uh, of Sean O'Malley's Instagram, and it said, uh, how to look cool in a loss, a memoir by Sean O'Malley. And it was a picture of him with um, some women. And he was uh, smoking a joint. Like you could see the, the cloud. I don't know if it was a joint or whatever. But uh, yeah, anyway, he was smoking some sort of weed. And uh, the caption was just humbled. <laughs> what a fucking great guy that guy is. Gotta love Sugar Sean. Like I said, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of Cheeto. That uh, that kind of over, overshadowed my love for, for Sugar Sean. But I really am a fucking big Sean La fan as well. So... Um, How's his leg? Like, Jesus, I don't know. I, I think uh that is yet to be seen. I think we're gonna have a an interview from him in uh probably in the 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 coming days, the coming weeks, and um and we're gonna find out exactly what's going on. So can't wait to um <laughs> can't wait to hear from him. And uh the last voice question. So thank you, Smoky. Thank you for that. The last voice question is from the homie Steve King. Juicy. Steve K. MMA here. What's up, boy? So, Stipe, Miacic, and John Jones, they need to fight, right? 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 <sighs> okay. Also,. Sean O'Malley, if he fights Cheeto Vera again, the next time around, will he be humble and not do his hair in the Ecuadorian colors, or will he do it again? Bye, Juicy. Have a great show, <laughs> y'all. Go give uh, go give Steve a follow. Steve K underscore MMA. Writes uh writes some great articles and uh, he does a great podcast with Drake Riggs, uh the WMMA podcast where they talk specifically WMMA. Sure, they'll be talking about uh, Virna Janjiroba and uh, her win over Felice Herrig. Sure, they'll also be talking about uh, Livinho Souza stealing a victory from uh, Ashley Oder. Now. As far as your question, first of all, can I just say, before the fight, I felt like, you know, just from listening to the podcast I listened to and uh, the people that were, you know, calling into my show and just what I saw in the general timeline, everyone was saying, oh, well, if uh, Daniel wins, who's going to fight for the vacant title? Is it going to be Steepy versus Nganu or whatever? Uh, where does Derek Lewis fit in? Uh, you know, is it gonna be Engano versus Lewis? Like and they were saying if Stepe wins, probably we're gonna get the Engano rematch. I didn't hear John Jones get mentioned once. Now all of a sudden, fight week, uh Dana says, I'm gonna throw a bunch of money at the winner of this fight to fight John Jones, and everyone is saying, That's the fight, that's the fucking shade. Like it's been there the whole time. They've been honey-dicked us with that fight, dude. They already teased us with that fight. Like, a long time ago. Even Stipe, or John Jones literally tweeted out, are you all ready for me to fight Stipe in July? And then sign to fight Thiago Santos. Like, miss me with that shit, dude. I don't, I will not believe it until it gets signed. As far as who do I think John Jones should fight Stipe, I would love to see it. But again, not going to believe it until it's fucking on paper. And even then, maybe not until they're in the cage. For real. And the second part, yeah, if they fight again, I hope he does it even more. I hope he fucking paints his whole body the colors of the Ecuadorian flag. Chino loved that shit. Are you kidding me? I'm sure he loved to fucking... uh, That just made the wind even sweeter. Like, he had a he had a couple tweets. Uh, well, it was really the same tweet, but he posted it twice. It's funny. I was just checking his page. One of them got, like, 15,000 likes. The other one got 9,000, but it's literally the same exact tweet. Um, it's a picture of him holding up the flag, and it says, Para Riba, and uh, emoji of a rocket, and then the Ecuadorian flag. Uh, I'm sure he loves that. Like, you know what I mean? It just made it uh, even sweeter. Sweet sugar, huh? Huh? Hmm. Anyway, uh, thank you, thank you for the for the uh question, Steve, my man. And we actually do have one more. I always forget. Um, this is technically a voice question, but it's submitted in a different format, so I always think of it as a separate thing. Uh, this uh, next one's from the homie MMA Catfish. Hey, juicy baby, it's MMA Catfish. So I wanted to take this in a different direction than what I'm guessing most of the other people who call in will go and ask about Junior. I thought he actually didn't look bad. He looked in pretty good shape. Uh, I thought he looked good in the fight. But man, the current landscape of heavyweight MMA is some real nasty punchers and he cannot be getting punched in the face anymore so what do you think is next for him should he just retire or keep getting knocked out and can we all just agree that this is damn Cain Velasquez's fault (laughs) great question uh yeah dude I tend to agree with you it's not necessarily about it being Kane Velasquez's fault. Uh although you can make the argument that uh JDS was never the same after those wars with Kane. However, for me, uh, I, I tend to be like cautiously optimistic with JDS sometimes because every time I count him out, uh he comes back and has uh a great performance. You know, so uh, I I think he could be, but that was hard to to see, like because of the way j d s tried to get up so quickly and and Jardim was rushing in like it was hard for the ref to stop it right away, so yeah, you could say maybe a bit of a late stoppage, but not in a way that was super egregious because uh it was just everything was so fast, and like it looked like he could have recovered, but um so I thought that was. You know, maybe one or two late punches, but for the most part, a good stoppage. And uh, but he, but even in that, even saying that, he took way more punishment than I would like to see him take. And so, yeah. Uh, by the way, respect to to Jairzinho for still calling out Francis in the in the post fight in the rematch, saying you know if Francis gets the bell, I want my rematch. You know, I'm gonna work my way back up. Uh, I still wanna I want to get that one back. You know, much respect to him. You know, people don't call out Francis, especially after they've already been fucking KO'd from him. So, as a matter of fact, I think uh, Curtis Blades would be the only other one to do that. And um, <laughs> I think he's done it twice. Man, Curtis Blades is such an anomaly. Yeah, as far as what I'd like to see for, for JDS, I would like to see him really like relegate himself to uh, like the gatekeeper status. Or here's one. How about a rematch with Verdum? Uh, they fought back in the first stretch of, of Verdum's UFC career um, before Verdum went over to Strike Force, and I think uh, I think Verdum got knocked the fuck out. Like I think it was like a clean ass KO, and um, I wouldn't mind seeing that rematch. Especially you know, hopefully it would be a little more grapple heavy. Um, JDS claims he's a black belt, so let's see it. Let's see. Let's see, JDS versus Verdum in combat jujitsu, and by that I mean um, an MMA fight that involves grappling. So, thank you, thank you, Seth. And that is it for the voice questions. So now let's move on to the Twitter forum. Uh, If if you want to submit a voice question to the podcast, uh, I tweet out the link uh, at the end of every fight card, basically. Um, it's anchor.fm slash fightingwithmyself slash message it's also easier if you download the anchor app and just search fighting with myself click message and um or you can do what seth does which is to to record it on your own and email it to me at fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com and now let's get into the forum the twitter forum specifically so, this is another one from Seth at MMA Catfish. It says, DC seemed to get the worst of the eye pokes, but there's no way to tell when they happen. Eye pokes are one of the worst offenses, in my opinion, because of the potential for long-term damage. I would love to see an automatic point reduction for an eye poke, accidental or not. Thoughts? I feel like the only way we curb them is heavy enforcement of the rules. Make it clear to fires. Poke the other guy in the eye, no matter if you meant to, it's a point, Period. I know this won't happen, but let's play fantasy. Hey, man, couple things. Obviously, yeah, I agree. I said this. I said as much earlier in the show. I said we need to enforce the rules. You know, point deductions automatically, and uh, then we need to to change the gloves. I hope Venom, uh, coming into the UFC uh, as far as being the equipment sponsor, will bring their uh, knowledge. Venom has great gloves. I don't know if they're gloves that are are better than the UFC's in terms of the eye poke potential. But hey, we won't know until we try it, uh, at least work with them to maybe develop something. You know they're, they're certainly they've been in the fight game for a long time. But you know, I was thinking this watching the with the fight card. At the beginning, they always do this, and I always say, why do we always have to do this? But I'm glad they did it this time. Uh, and they do every time, but right? I'm saying I'm glad specifically now. They reminded us that Nevada, The Nevada State Athletic Commission specifically has adopted the new set of unified rules with the caveat that, um, uh, what's it called? The the down fighter rule, that it's still, you know, one hand and still considered a down down fighter. They also specifically said instant replay can be used any time. They did not say only in a fight ending sequence. I don't know if that's new. Uh, it seems to me that um, I heard them say only with a fight ending sequence before. Maybe they've changed that. Uh, hey, man. DC complained about an eye poke. You should have been checking that instant replay, which they put on the broadcast. Stipe went knuckle deep in that bitch. And hey, uh, again, A was on the receiving end of some nasty eye pokes in the other ones. They both were, you know... It wasn't just Stipe in those uh, first fights, as far as the eye poking, they both did their fair share of of eye poking. And again, I've said this, it happens in fights, so it's not like only they do it. It's not like they're both dirty fighters or or what have you. They both do it. Everyone does it to an extent. However, they they gotta fix that shit. You gotta fix that shit. So, hey, I I want to make mention of the. the use of instant replay could have saved them there. At least Mark Goddard could have been like, oh, yeah, that was pretty fucking egregious. Do you need time? Do we need to bring in a doctor? Like, steps could have been taken there. And the other thing is this. Part of the new rules was said that you have to have your fist closed uh, basically at all times. Or, or if if you had them extended, they had to be pointed upward. And clearly, that's not happening. So... If, if that was done to, to help mitigate the potential of eye pokes, it's not working. It's fucking, it's a garbage rule because it's not being enforced at all. And, it, and it's not really helping. So yeah, I, I agree with you. MMA catfish. Uh, this next question is from Mr. B at Mr. B 1986. I'm going to ask the same question I asked Rhino to get your view. Well, Mr. B, link me or something. Uh, I did listen to Rhino's podcast, actually. I was grateful that uh, Rhino dropped his show while I was on the road. and uh, What's it called? I was able to listen to that on my way home. Like I said, great interview from... Great interview from Janae Harding, and I'm looking for your question, Mr. B. Okay, I just paused it to search Mr. B's page. It was not there. Can only assume he sent it to Rhino in a way that is not a tweet. Uh, I'm just gonna say I agree with Rhino. Okay. Uh, next question is from the homie Phil the MMA dude, co host of the Split Decision podcast. He said, Do they make Stipe versus Jones or Stipe versus Nganu? If they make Stipe versus Jones, does Nganu break down the UFC doors looking for Dana? <laughs> yeah, dude. First of all, here's the thing uh, Nganu will be pissed. And if we get Stipe versus Jones and Lewis versus Ngannou 2 I will be extremely happy. Uh, I'll settle for Stipe Ngannou 2 and uh, Lewis versus Blades but uh, yeah, I don't know. I also heard Dana in an interview say that John Jones if he went if he fought a light heavyweight, he would have to fight Reyes or something. Or it could have been if he fought at all, he would have to fight Ranz But then I also, like I said, heard him say he's going to throw the winner of this fight. And now we know that Stipe. Uh, a lot of money to fight John Jones. I hope that's the case. Um, but we'll see. But thank you, Phil. Thank you for your question. Uh, next question from Ashwin at Omnishwin. He says, early thoughts on who's next for Stipe? Uh, by the way, uh check out Ashwin's app the fight forecaster app um I'm loving it I didn't do it for this weekend cuz like I said I was really busy and by that I mean hanging out with my buddy <laughs> busy now thinking about fights is what I meant uh but yeah uh I'm loving that shit thoughts on who's next for stepe like I said if it's not John Jones it has to be Nganu. uh that's really that's it um I would like to see a world world I would like to see a world or Curtis Blades gets a title shot but um, the fact that he's 0-2 against Ngannou and Ngannou's knocking on that door, like, buddy, it's not happening, unless, like I said, Nganu gets the shot, loses, they do Lewis versus Blades, he beats Lewis, now he's right there in contention, and that, uh, I wouldn't hate that, although, obviously I just want my boy Derek Lewis to not lose ultimately. Question from Joe Blogs at Joe Blogs 74. Do you think Janjiroba is a big problem for the Straw division? Ah, uh, yeah, honestly, I I uh I saw the replies of him and uh and uh, Fraser uh Fuzz LCFC going back and forth. I do think she is a problem. Um, I don't know about big problem like it's hard to quantify how big the problem is, but off the top of my head, I don't know who has better jujitsu than her in the Straw division. You know, you could say like Grappling in general, like maybe Claudia Gadelia, uh, at least can match it. Um, you know, Rose certainly has good jujitsu, but I don't know if it's on that same level as as Roba. Who knows? Uh, I, I'm impressed. Anyway, so yeah, absolutely. Next question is from Adonis at Adonis six two six five nine seven five four. The the handles with the the numbers always. Um, make me laugh. There's just, I, I'm like, that's so hard to remember. Uh, but, uh, shout out to this, uh, guy new, new to the forum. Welcome. It says, uh, wouldn't it be a great idea for Stipe to retire after fighting Jones next when loser draw, get a red penny knight and leave the game at 38, uh, rather than risk getting CTE from Manganu. Uh, if I'm honest, that's a bit hyperbolic, but I agree with you. Um, Stipe at this point in my mind has nothing more to prove. Um, he earned the, the status of heavyweight GOAT already. He defended that against DC. You know, like I said, DC did have a claim with the resume that he had from, from Strike Force and from being the, the light heavyweight champion. Beating um, uh, beating Stipe kind of solidified that. And so I think it was fair to do this trilogy to kind of determine that. But how, however, Stipe getting on top of it, uh, you know, Coming out on top, rather. Getting the better of that trilogy. Absolutely, no doubt in my mind, he's uh, at least the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. And uh, I don't think that's being hyperbolic. And yeah, if he gets that Jon Jones fight, and uh, hopefully a massive payday, I don't want to see him fight anything else. I really really don't. Um, Anything or anyone. (laughs) I don't really want to see any other fights for him. But uh, great question. This next question is from Nikki at Nikki, probably going to pronounce the last name wrong, Judas, at Nikki underscore Judas. Um, Definitely go check out her uh, Etsy shop. I was just checking it out. There's like some uh, like crystal bracelets, which is very interesting to me. Very, very cool. Uh, She says, does Sugar Show get an immediate rematch because of the injury? And was it Cheetos checking of the leg kick that caused the injury? That's what he said in the post of the interview, or did Chuga slip? Honestly, it could have been both. Um, certainly, I think it was an accumulation of of cheetos damage. Like I was saying about this, when 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 Sugar showed it, it looked like he slipped, but honestly, like ha- having injured myself and injured my ankle twice myself, actually three times. Um, sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't happen out of nowhere. He 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 doesn't. He you wouldn't have just slipped. So sometimes it it like it, was, it when I say it'd be like that. I mean it's delayed from from whatever happened. Uh, I think it absolutely was caused by by Cheeto, but uh, again it's a little bit up for debate. Or it could have been Sugar throwing a kick wrong and 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 connecting in a in a weird way. Either way, it was. You know, it's valid, is what I'm saying. She had a couple of questions. She said, why, oh, why didn't DC try to use his wrestling a little more? I know, dude. I know. I saw a tweet from, I want to say it was um, uh, Flying Brian J. He was like, DC is going to WAP, W-A-P, like that new uh, Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion song. But I said, do as, it, it, for as much wrestling as possible. <laughs> that was really funny. Um He said he was going to, and I thought that he should have. He had success in their second fight with that. And, uh... It really kind of annoyed me that he didn't do it more. But, um... You know, credit to Sipe for, I guess, nullifying it, if anything. I mean, he... He smothered him against the cage for a fair portion of the fight, and I thought that was uh, really smart on his part. So, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm with you, Nikki. I don't know why. I don't know why. Um... She also said, um, "I don't know if this is a question, more of a statement." She says, "I guess Estepe is the goat. He's not really an impressive goat. Does that make sense? None of his performance has left me in awe, but he really has beaten the best of the best." Is it just me? I couldn't think of a way to word this. Uh, for me, this comes down to resume, and this is part of why I said why I started to open the show with by saying that the the goat conversation is just barbershop talk. There's no quantifiable. Uh, criteria everyone's criteria is different and there's different ways to talk about it because you could talk about like the best pound for pound martial artists like whose skills would translate across different weight classes like who uh, ha, you know has, has done more a lot of it does come down to resume some of it comes down to skills um, like the, the two biggest ones that I go back and forth to are GSP and Mighty Mouse um, and obviously John Jones just, just be thrown in there Uh, But uh, You know Like Mighty Mouse has the 11 title defenses But Can you name them? Like GSP Had had, I think he has the welterweight um, Title defense record at 9 And they're all Like legends of the sport basically uh, At least for the most part And uh, He also went up uh, to middleweight At the end of his career So for me, like the reason why Stipe's significance in the in the heavyweight division is is so prevalent, and why he is so deserving of that title, in my opinion, of of the greatest heavyweight of U.S. history. Before Stipe, the record for title defenses in that division was two. And Kane did it a couple times. I think he had different title reigns where he got to two different times. So he had the title for a while, like, cumulatively. But it was it was broken up by a loss. He lost the title and had to get, get it back. So that just shows you how hard it is to hang on to that belt. Like, Randy Couture did it twice before. Um, yeah, it was only defended two times prior. Stipe comes in, knocks out Verdum, who beat Kane, the previously longest reigning champion. Um... He beats Verdum, knocks him out, knocks out Alistair Overeem, knocks out Junior Dos Santos, and puts an absolute clinic on Nganu. And, and that's what I want to say. Like When he said none, none of his performances left me in awe, that one absolutely did. Francis was uh, scary as fuck back then. Uh, he still pretty much is, but uh, I think when when uh, Stipe beat him, he became a little more humanized. Back then, it was like, wow, if he touches you, you're going to sleep. This guy has the touch of death in his hands. And that first round, go back and watch that fight. Stepe took those bombs flush on the chin. And I I was like, I could not believe what I was watching. My heart was like pounding out of my chest. I was so, so much anxiety. I was like pacing uh in the living room of my house watching like watching this fight going how is he fucking doing this and then he he got the takedown beat him into the canvas and it was like that for for the the latter four rounds i was just sitting there going this is this is incredible like they they were both tired at the end but Stipe outlasted him and for him to like wrestle hard for five rounds i thought was super impressive at heavyweight they they, they don't really do that for me, uh, he's very impressive. He's very impressive, and and if I'm honest as well, I, did, uh, I didn't talk about this enough in the beginning. This is the best Stepe we've seen, in my opinion, uh, if not the the one against Nganu But uh, that one wasn't really showing all of his skills, and it was against a not a wrestler, so it was just you know him wrestling a, a pure striker, like a boxer basically. Uh, this was amazing. This performance against DC, uh, I really really uh, am impressed with Stepe. This next question is from Brat MMA, at Brat MMA. Uh, she says DC said that he couldn't deal with the clinch because he hadn't planned for A using double underhooks. But at the same time, people say that DC has a very high fight IQ. Isn't fight IQ being able to adapt to different situations during the fight? That comment really confused me. Yeah, honestly, uh, I didn't see that because, like I said, I uh, I turned it off right away, and I've, I just have been um getting the highlights from people cuz I didn't want to hear that I just wanted to focus on the actual contest itself and the result um that does that does baffle me as well cuz uh, f- first of all I, I do think DC does have a very high fight IQ but it's mostly in his analysis um when you talk about uh, his fight IQ he does make mistakes uh he dips his head to the right which opens him up for the for the left high kick and uh the left hook um that's a just off the top of my head, the 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 most glaring thing I can think of, but yeah, obviously he opened himself up to those body shots in the in their in their last fight. So, like, he's no, by no means a perfect fighter, um, but I think that's uh, what he was talking about in terms of the the high fight AQ, That really does baffle me because double underhooks is uh, I don't know, I feel like wrestlers are pretty much used to that, and and DC himself uses them so. When, wouldn't you know how to counter something that you do? Uh, I, I really don't know how to answer this because I'm just I, I'm baffled as well. But uh, thank you for bringing it up. I'm going to have to go uh, take a look at that. Next question is from the homie Yugi at Yugi MMA. Guys, go check out his podcast. Um, actually, I need to send in a question for his if if uh, he's still taking questions. Um, I'm really bad at that. Uh, I also wanted to be on his show, actually. But, um... Yuki says, Now that the MMA gods have had their thirst quenched with our tears for DC, which championship fight do you think will end in an upset next? When will the evil tyrant MMA gods return? Bro, can I just say... Um... Sometimes that stuff with, like, the MMA gods... I feel like it's fucking real. Like, I was thinking about... Uh i've said recently like the past uh i don't know several weeks i've recorded i haven't felt too inspired to do it a, and an, a unique intro and uh i'm, I'm searching for something that i want to use as like a solid you know steady intro and um i was thinking about how Cle- uh stipe walks out to that that song from machine gun kelly uh because he's from cleveland and he's like oh, i'm from the land or whatever, and. Um, uh, that made, uh, Rap Devil pop into my head. And I was thinking about the part where he's like, fuck Rap God, I'm the Rap Devil. Um, and I was like, fuck MMA gods, they're like MMA devils. Like, the MMA gods are fucking ruthless, dude. When you, when you talk about that, like, I, I, I was, I was listening to the TKO podcast as well, uh, before the fight, and, uh, I think it was Delilah that predicted Stipe. And she said, because there's no happy endings in MMA. Like, it, was just, it wasn't it was even based off, like, an announcer. It was just, like, this is what it is. And I was like, yeah, honestly, <laughs> it's sad, but it's true. You know? When's the next title fight? I think one in an upset. I'm, I'm going to predict. And this is, like, I actually have a, tw- a tweet bookmarked of somebody annoyed at the, like, Gechi Habib. Uh, takes being like oh such an edgy take My edgy take Sir is um, uh, Gaethje To to upset To, to, to beat Khabib uh, I know that's very unlikely But in terms of the MMA gods being ruthless That's that would be it That would be fucking it I'm, I'm not going to sit here and predict Izzy Like I'm a fucking lunatic Hey dude uh, If you uh, want Costa Costa sorry Paulo Costa to beat Israel Adesanya. Miss me with that shit. Please. I'm blocking everybody that picks Costa on. God. <laughs> this isn't a question but I'm reading it anyway. This is from the man the legend Trance LFC at LFC Trance. He says good at twat bastard and Bell Whiff. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Uh, this question is from Darren Carson at Bobby underscore Dazzler 68. He says, if Jones moves up, Stipe needs to up his performance times 100. In my opinion, Jones would have be both men tonight. You know, it's interesting you say that. First of all, uh I don't necessarily think that's uh, an easy thing to say when it comes to Stipe. Like, we've seen the DC fight uh, twice. Jones clearly beat him twice. Obviously, first time, or what I'm going to say, obviously the second time he popped for PEDs. We can only assume he was on them on the first one as well. Uh, that is what it is. But in terms of the skills of what happened, Jones got the better of him. Now... When it comes to Stipe, in my opinion, the 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 all the the cage time that that Stipe and DC have had together, Stipe beat DC worse than John Jones did. So think about that. I don't know, MMA math doesn't you know apply necessarily, but uh, I'm if Stipe fights John Jones, I'm picking Stipe, and that that's fucking it, dude. Um, I will say this as well. Um, I'm not sure if it, uh, someone brought this up later in the forum, so I, I want to make this point uh, before I forget. Uh, I've been saying Jones needs to go to heavyweight uh, for uh, a while. But I also am realizing he's sort of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because outside of, of Stipe and and maybe Ngannou, there's not really a lot of challenges for him at heavyweight. Like Yes, they hit harder and uh, they fight differently and. You know that's a, a new style for him to learn, or whatever. But in terms of skills, he's fighting more skilled guys at light heavyweight for sure, and better gas tank. Like Jones could easily fight circles around heavyweights, uh, for for the most part. Uh, like I said, except for Stipe. and Inguno, if he if he catches him, I think gano could put John Jones to fucking sleep. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that. That's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking because. Yeah, John Jones, if he were to stay at, at light heavyweight, would be like, oh, we well, never went up to heavyweight. But at the same time, if he went up to heavyweight, I'd be like, oh, you just you wanted to fight slower guys. Like, I would feel like he, he would be fucking roasted either way. Um, Darren also said, on another, is Steep getting the credit he deserves? That's <laughs> funny you say that. Is that I really think the UFC want him to lose the belt, getting the feeling he is not a pick as a company man. Yeah, dude. First of all, I think he gets a ton of credit from the fans. Um even from DC fans and I count myself among them because I I said last week I feel like li- I, I look at it like this. Uh Stipe fans and DC fans are like cat people and dog people. Cat people are like yeah, I uh I like dogs. I just prefer cats. And that's how I feel about DC as a as a cat guy stipe fans are like fuck dc 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 murdered my whole family like no dude that doesn't work like that they're both good guys they're both very talented they both deserve your respect um so i do think uh, stipe gets the credit he deserves now in terms of from the ufc obviously um they like dc he he He's a great ambassador for the sport. He does a lot of media. Stepe traditionally does doesn't do a lot of media. Um, DC is more charismatic. He's uh, good on the mic. He's good at um, interviews. Um, what was I going to say commentary as well? Obviously, the detail show. Uh, they have a like DC is the epitome of a company man. Stepe has felt disrespected uh, from the UFC a long time, mostly due to pay. Like, I was thinking about, it it really kind of came to light after Stipe fought Overeem because Overeem made more money than him for that fight. And he was so pissed. He was like, why did my challenger make more money than me? He was so pissed. And rightly so. That's fucking bullshit. Um, like, I understand Alistair Overeem has been along for been around for a long ass time and earned that. But pay Stipe fucking more. Like, the challenger should never make more money than the champion. That is fucking dog shit. Uh but I was also thinking back to when Stipe even got the chance to fight for the belt in the first place. He beat Andreilovsky back when Andreilovsky was like sort of making a run and and looked like he could have been making a comeback. He beat Andreilovsky and he had to get up in Dana's face. He's like, Give him a shot! Give our shot! He was screaming at Dana. And Dana had to be like, Guess I better give Stipe a shot, otherwise he's gonna kill me. Um He was screaming at Dana and they barely gave him that fight. He, UFC 195 was scrapped, or 196 rather. 195 was Condit Lawler. 196 uh now was Diaz McGregor 1, but it was in that was initially gonna be 197. 196 was the Kane Verdumery match, and Kane uh got injured. I think his back or something, and Stepe said I'll fight him. And they asked him, they they offered him the Stepe fight. And Verdum said, "Well, if it was Kane, I would still fight, but actually, I have an injury too, like so shitty." Uh, and uh, yeah. Then they gave him the the title fight at one ninety eight in Brazil. Um, I'm not sure if that was on short notice as well. That that's kind of where I was going with that. Like they've never given Stepe his due in that regard. So. Yeah, uh, I think they're starting to come around him. Obviously, the narrative they built the UFC was like was was this is the for, for 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 the greatest heavyweight of all time. So now that that's been proven from their narrative, they better start fucking paying him and giving him the John Jones fight. And I think they will. Uh, this next question is from Joe Blogs at Joe Blogs seventy four. He says, knockdowns seem to be from boxing, so why can't MMA have their own knockdowns as it happens in so many ways, like leg kicks, for instance, not always headshots that knocks a fighter over. What do you think, mate? Uh, So I love this question, but I don't exactly understand where you're coming from. Uh, I'm wondering if you mean on the stats, because they do count like... Uh, if someone gets dropped in a fight and they don't, but they don't get knocked out, that goes on their stats. Like when the UFC tallies that sort of thing, like takedowns, submission attempts, that sort of thing, they 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 call them knockdowns. Like Anderson Silva, uh, at one point, I don't know if he still does, he had the most knockdowns in middleweight, uh, maybe in all of the UFC as well, on all all divisions. So uh, they definitely count. But uh, to your point, I don't know if they're just counting. Uh, like getting knocked down from punches, or at least from strikes. Uh, I think they're counting all of them. At least they should. I absolutely agree with you. Like if someone throws a nasty leg kick and it just they they get dropped, like that's a knockdown in my opinion. Yes, it's sort of losing your balance because you're kicking legs. out front of them. But it's from a dam from damage to do a leg kick. So I think it should should count. Fucking a. Next question is from MMA Visual at MMA Visual. He <laughs> says, why hasn't the UFC adopted the pride gloves in order to stop these eye pokes? I mean what the fuck? Yeah dude, I, I said this earlier. Uh they need to change shit. They they need to change shit. Uh it's it's not working what we have now. We need those we need those new gloves. I need Venom to step up. I, I really do. Because right now I'm not I'm like when they when they announced the Venom deal I got side I, I got excited for a second. And then I was like, no, it's going to be more of the same shit. It's just same flavor, different label, dude. Same flavor, different label. And uh, it's going to be like bullshit for everybody. Show me that you are a good partner, Venom, and fucking bring the right gloves to the UFC to mitigate these eye pokes. Um... Next question is from Unmatched MMA Podcast at Unmatched MMA. He says, I've seen a lot of people arguing that the winner of this trilogy shouldn't be considered the heavyweight goat. What's your opinion on that? And if it's not Sipi, then who is it? So I actually pretty much have answered this at least, or at least if you have gone this far in the podcast, you know how I'm going to answer this question, which is to say that I think this is, however, that's so open to interpretation that that could mean a, a bunch of different things yeah he's definitely the greatest ufc heavyweight of all time name one another one that that's in consideration kane Bay's resume is better in my opinion at least in terms of his title defense record beating kane's and uh beating the guy who beat kane so that that that's it and DC, not let's not forget. Uh, DC was Kane's main training partner throughout that run. He just beat DC. So what does that tell you? Uh, I think that Stipe versus Kane uh, favors Stipe heavily. And and yeah, uh, the, 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 there's there's people that want to count greatest of all time, you know, going back from the inception of MMA and. Uh, Again, that's why I like to limit it to eras because you you're at least more in competition with each other and you have like a similar skill set. Because MMA is evolving. Like the only other consideration for this, in my opinion, uh, is Fedor and he fought at a different time. And Fedor is still fighting and loses half the time. So, like yeah, F- Fedor at his peak was a monster, and is one of the greatest fighters uh, uh, of any given era. Uh, certainly of his era. But in terms of the heavyweight GOAT, in my opinion, it's Stipe. But again, I think that's a stupid conversation to have to just say, like, who's the GOAT? I think MMA fans fixate on that, dude. Like, who's the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Uh, nobody. How about that? That's why I either say GSP or Artem. Like, if I want to give a serious answer... Uh, uh, it's GSP. If I don't think it's worth, it, like, if it's someone's throwing it around, uh, that I feel like is not worth, like, debating with, I'll just be like, it's Artem. Move on. But, uh, but thank you, sir. Thank you, Unmatched MMA Podcast. All right, Ashley, the MMA nerd, my girl, uh, at the underscore MMA underscore nerd, definitely check out her podcast. She said, why don't fans keep the same energy with Stipe's eye pokes as they do DC's? Thank you. Thank you. Like I said, um, they were both getting eye poked in the first time. So I think a, a lot of Stipe fans were fixated on uh, the ones that Stipe received and not the ones he gave. And so when, when he gave it this time, they're like, oh, yeah, it's just payback. DC did the same thing. And, yeah, I get it, like. The, Stipe had to have surgery from the last one and it was debatable whether or not he was going to fight again. And that's fine. So, so for DC to complain about this one, it looks bad. But they were both training eye pokes, is my point. You know? Like, come on, dude. Uh, however, to answer her next question, she said, will the eye poke taint Stipe's victory? I don't think so. Because, again, these things happen and it it was part of their last fight as well. So... Uh, I don't know if it taints it because he was he was already winning up to that point. It just made it worse for DC, I guess. In my opinion, that taints fucking Mark Goddard's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like whether or not I value his opinion as a ref because he was like, "No, Daniel, fight." And then you watch the replay and it's like fucking blatant and like really nasty. And DC's like, I can't see. And he didn't call the doctor in. like, fuck you, Mark Goddard. Now, the more I think about it, fuck Mark Goddard. My boy, uh, Buddy from the MMA Marks podcast, he does not like Mark Goddard at all. And I've always been defending him. Like, why do you like Mark Goddard has been around like for a long time? He's one of the best referees. Fuck Mark Goddard. Now, that's why I'm, I'm I'm with you, buddy. I'm with that same energy. Fuck Mark Goddard. Uh, and she also asks, should Stipe face John Jones or Ngannou next? Ah, ah I sort of talked about this earlier, but I, I, if you ask me point blank, like, if I get to see either one, uh, I want to see the John Jones one, because we, we already saw the Ngannou one, uh, yes, there's entry, I think Ngannou has, you know, a, a chance of catching him as well in the second fight, but, yeah, uh... I want to see the John Jones fight. I don't think we will, sadly. Uh, I don't think uh, they come to a table with enough money to to get John out of bed. Um, and if they do, maybe John will have another excuse not not to fight Stipe. But uh, if you ask me which one I want to see, it's the John Jones fight. Uh, it also says, Will DCT just have to say goodbye and truly retire? <sighs> I was really listening to that song yesterday. She's uh, referencing. Um You know what? I'm going to I'm going to teach y'all how to say goodbye. I'm going to teach DC how to say goodbye. Um on his behalf. I feel like DC um would uh would say this. I'm going to pull up this speech from One Last Time. One last time. Relax, have a drink with me. One last time. Let's take a break tonight and we'll teach him how to say goodbye. Say goodbye. You and I. Here we go. Though in reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error. I I am nevertheless too sensible of my defects, not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. I shall also carry with me the hope that my country will view them with indulgence, and that after forty-five years of my life, dedicated to its service with an upright zeal, the faults of incompetent abilities will be consigned oblivion, as I myself soon to be, to the mansions of rest. I anticipate with pleasing expectation that retreat in which I promise myself to realize the sweet enjoyment of partaking in the midst of my fellow citizens, the benign influence of good laws under a free government, the ever-favorite object of my heart, and the happy reward, as I trust, of our mutual cares, labors, and dangers. Goosey does not like that. Anyway, uh, I feel like Ashley was baiting me to sing that, um, so I had to oblige. Man, I think, uh, I guess, to point blank answer your question yes, DC will truly retire. <laughs> And the next question is from Jeff Silva, MMA, at Jeff Silva MMA. Go, go give this guy a follow. Very entertaining follow, in my opinion. He's a, um, a becoming, uh pro MMA fighter and uh, is always tweeting about, like, TV shows and, and other shit that I, like, am interested in, so love this guy. He says, how do you think the O'Malley Verify would have gone if not for the injury? To be honest, dude, more of the same. I mean in all honesty, I think we were robbed of what could have been a great fight. Like, when I gave my prediction for this fight, I, I said that on my last show, or I've been saying this for a few shows now, um, I don't get my picks anymore. Uh, but that said, I'm involved in, right now, um, another season of the Fight Pick Championship, which I was in last year, if you'll remember. I talked about it before. Uh, my boys, uh, Ricky and Buddy at the MMA Marks, started that up. And it's just a competition between other podcasters and and streamers, content creators, just trying to uh, help each other out and just have a little fun. And there's a belt at the end. Uh, the, the, the the man, the king of marks, uh, world-winning federation, Alpha, is uh, the reigning champion of Season 1 right now. He has the belt right now, and I'm, I'm coming for that ass, Alpha. Uh, but I picked a third-round submission by O'Malley. Um... Yeah, by the way, I came in like 4th out of 20 this week, so did pretty good. You know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I or sorry, I picked 3rd round submission for Vera. That's what I meant to say. I think I said Amalex cuz I was looking at O'Malley in the question. Um yeah, so I thought it was just going to be a late finish for Cheeto, but it was a first round finish. And uh, not, not submission either. It was a it was a TKO. Yeah, uh, but honestly, I think I the result would be same the same. I just think it would have gone longer. That's my personal opinion. Next question is from Tricky Ricksta at Tricky Ricksta. He says, juice. Will John Jones move up? And if he does, does he just beat all of them? This is what I want to talk about. This is what I was saying earlier. I think it's Dan to be the Dan if he does, Dan if he doesn't. Because honestly, th- the biggest challenge for him is is steep and, and Ganu. Outside of that, he styles on every heavyweight, in my opinion. They're too slow. Uh like he's has too long of a reach, too many tools in the toolbox none- almost none of them have a ground game. John Jones can take just about anyone down and submit him uh yeah, honestly, I don't see it being very competitive if John moves up w eight outside of Stipe and ingu and and even the ano fight has strong potential to be like the first ganano Nganou-Stipe fight uh yeah. I just give Ngano a chance to to catch John. Uh, Next question is from STD. (laughs) I always don't know how to answer this. It's at underscore STD underscore. It says, Herb Dean do a good job saving O'Malley from unnecessary damage or what? Uh, I said this. Yes, I agree. Because, like I said, you're you're without that extra limb to to push off and create space and get up back to up to your feet. So he would have stayed there like the whole rest of the round, and then that would have made it worse going to the second round, and he would have fucking beat the shit out of him more. So yeah, I think he did save him from a lot of unnecessary damage, and and that way he was able to get to a doctor sooner. I think that was absolutely the right call by Herb Dean. He also said, could you tell that Biggie Boy was going to dead JDS a few seconds before it happened? Like I could? Yeah, dude. Honestly, like I was listening to a couple podcasts uh talk about this fight, and they're saying it was like dead even, and it was sort of like like Biggie Boy was just coming off the Francis loss. We don't know how he's gonna respond to that, like it was a bad knockout. I wasn't that worried. I was like, this heavily favors Jarzinho and JDS no, don't get me wrong, JDS was doing well initially. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. But Jorginho wasn't in a ton of danger, and um, and Biggie Boy was landing those those strikes early and often, and it was it was setting up the the knockout for for JDS. Really good stuff from from Jairzinho. Oh, this next question is from uh, a, a little known account named uh, Mrs. Juice, my wife at Kate underscore the cursed. Uh, she says, can we go to dinner tomorrow night when you get home? Obviously, we did. Well, not obviously. I'm letting you know we did. I mean, obviously for her, she knows that. Um, she says, do you think DC is actually retiring? And can we keep the AC on while you record? I lost this battle. We did keep the AC on. I usually like turn off because I don't like the, the noise. But we kept it on. And yes, I do think DC is actually retiring. He wanted to retire uh, after the last fight. He even did a little bit of like a media tour about that. But he lost. And he's like, I can't retire like this. Now it's a situation where he's lost twice to the guy. There's no justifying booking them another time for him to try and get another win. And honestly, even if they did, I, I wouldn't favor him. So I absolutely think DC is retiring. I think he knows he's getting all his body can't handle another training camp. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for your questions, babe. Um, next question is from Abstox at Abstox1. That's A-B-Z. he uh, says, after watching the videos that surfaced after the fight, do you think that Sean's injury was Cheeto's leg kick to the side of Sean's knee? Or do you think Sean injured himself? If the former, then Cheeto should be given more credit for the win. Yeah, uh, I do. That That's kind of where I'm at. It was He it was either... Um, Cheeto checking the leg kick Or his own leg kick Either one, I'm still giving Cheeto credit for Um, Honestly, that's where I'm at Uh, Next question is from Fraser At Fuzz LCFC He says, Stipe is 100% Heavyweight GOAT Can't really argue against that I agree Uh, John Jones win will cement this for sure He says, also, O'Malley not a i'm a fan but not a stan what now you know honestly we have to see we have to wait and see how where the division is at when he's ready because we don't know what the injury is and how long the recovery will be um if he's able to make a quick recovery uh, i would love to see him against like cory sandhagen um again that's i mean that's a huge step up actually in, in ranking and um Competition, so maybe I want to see Cheeto versus Sanhagen. That's honestly, that's a fucking great fight. Um, no, honestly, uh, I want to see him continue to climb that ladder up in the rankings again. I think we have to wait to see where the division is at when he's ready to return. But uh, you know, maybe he fights John Dodson next. Maybe he fights Marab. Marab called him out as well. He was like. Good luck for Sean. I want to fight him. And then we see what happens. So cute, Murad. Rob is so cute. Uh, yeah. Uh, he also says, uh, JDS was looking really good. Best I've seen him in ages. Then, same old, same old. Yeah, honestly, like, in the Ganu fight, when JDS fought Ganu. It was bad, dude. He like was winging wild, and then he like turned away. I was like, "What are you doing? Like, boo boo, what is you doing?" Um, no, yeah, uh, no. But yeah, this one was looking very good. I just Biggie Boy was better. So yeah, I f- I found it really interesting that Junior Santos. Since they trained, they both trained at ATT, they was like, What well, why don't we spar before the fight? Good on Jarzinho for uh for uh for declining that, which I think is not sort of like him being scared of Junior, more so not wanting to show off his tricks. Next question is from the homie Lord Gold at it's me, Tony V80. Love this guy. Uh, he says, it's fun to ponder. If you were DC, just how much are you regretting not utilizing your wrestling more? You you know, this is so tough because DC always talks about um, the losses in his career stick with him so much. Like his losses in wrestling to Kale Sanderson and, uh, and other losses. Like he still thinks about those. And I'm like, oh, man. Like You know this is going to eat away at him. Especially hearing how he brought the gentleman that was on the the wrestling team with him in 04 and 08 to be part of the camp and didn't use the wrestling more. I mean, he tried a little bit and and A was able to stuff the takedowns. But I feel like he could have engaged even more. Maybe it was a cardio thing. I don't know. I honestly... I'm regretting it for him. How about that, next question is from Shane Terra at Shane Terra. He says, So, uh, how about those South Americans? That's the question. Hashtag ask FWM, dude. Absent goddamn, ludely. I mean, it's time we start looking at that region of the world as producing top talent again. I mean, for a while, it was either America or Brazil. But now it's expanding to more of South America. So, yeah, I guess I don't have much of an answer for you, Shane, other than to say, "Hell yeah, those South Americans!" Guys, <laughs> go follow Shane Tara. he's awesome. Next question is from Joe Blogs again at Joe Blogs seventy four. He says, "Are you still enjoying no attendance fighting? Because I missed a full arena last night." Yeah, dude. Here's the thing: there are some big fights that um, that you want the energy from the crowd. Sometimes when they're going insane, it just adds to it. It definitely fuels the fighter's performance as well. They've said as much. In my opinion, like if I had to have one or the other for the rest of eternity, I'm going no fans. And that's just my personal opinion. I will say, last night, uh, I don't remember them doing this for the other title fights that we've had at the Apex. When they did the introducing the fighters, when Bruce Buffer was introducing the fighters. Um, and they dimmed the lights, did the whole championship lighting. That shit was dope, and I missed it. And I and again, I, I don't remember them doing that for the other title fights. I could be completely wrong, but for some reason, it just felt really special when they did it for A and D.C., and I, I was just so awesome because, like, that, that's why I don't mind no fans because you can still do shit like that to make it cool. And, like, if you're doing f- uh, fights at the Apex, why don't they have. Like, here's the thing. Here's what I would do, is what I'm saying. Obviously, the Nevada State Athletic Commission has a restriction on it, and you can't have fans. And that also has to do with the. I don't know, federal restrictions and things like that as far as how many people in a room. But they're all sort of in this bubble in a sense. They've all been tested. They've all been whatever. Why doesn't all the fighters in the corners from the rest of the fights come back and watch? Like, why don't they allow that? So at least you have for the main event, you have somewhat of a full house. And... It kind of gives that big fight feel as much as possible. I don't know. I would be a big fan of that. But, you know, I was thinking about this as well with uh, uh, Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa coming up. Personally, like they've they've thrown around the idea. When I say they, I mean like sort of MMA media. I don't know if uh, the UFC are actually considering this. But they've thrown around the idea of having it in New Zealand because in New Zealand they have sporting events right now with like 50% crowd or something like that. Maybe they're up to hundred by now i don't, I don't know, but they have fans attendance because New Zealand has basically beaten the fucking virus because they're smarter than us, and obviously they have a smaller population but uh yeah, I was thinking about that. Would I want that no only if tell me the only positive for me is that um Israel would get to stay on his own time. And uh, be able to to train at home, but uh, for most of his UFC career, he's been sort of a road warrior and and gone to the states, uh, so that actually doesn't worry me that much. So yeah, I to answer your question, Joe, not missing it because I'll be honest with you, like I've attended a lot of fucking events, not a lot, but um, more than just a couple. I mean, a UFC one ninety nine, Bellator one seventy. Um, UFC 213, 217, 223, Find Out Atlantic City. Uh, I might be missing one in there. And some of them were awesome. Like, the fact that I got to see Habib versus Aliyah Quinta, which was supposed to be Habib versus Tony. You know, I'm sad about it. Um, The fact that I got to see that live, unreal. The Zabid versus Kyle Bockniak fight. I was jumping out of my seat and yelling in that last 30 seconds when Kyle Bokniak was, like, putting on Zabid. I was like, finish him! going fucking nuts. I was on the first riser for the Final Atlantic City card when Edson Barboza made Kevin Lee do the chicken dance. And sometimes, like, you don't want to rob the fans of that. Uh, but then I, I see these events, and you have these fucking ignorant troglodytes going, Woo! When there's uh, no other sound going on, just so they can hear their motherfucking asses on TV. You have stupid fucking... Neanderthals booing when it goes to the ground. So no, I don't miss uh, fans in attendance. I don't. They're fucking idiots. And we get to hear the trash talk between the fighters when whenever that happens. We get to hear the corners. To me, the pros, far away the cons. Like whenever my, my wife and I, whenever we have to move or check out a new apartment or a house, we always make a pro and con list. And it's different for both of us, because I'll like some things that she doesn't, and vice versa. Or just notice things that the other one didn't. And that helps us decide where we're going to live. For me, if I were to make a pro and con list about fans versus no fans, pro for fans. Uh, It's cool if they're in your area, okay? Okay pro they add uh energy an atmosphere that's that you can't replicate you know fake crowd noise is, is garbage i know phil and the fight geek were debating this it's garbage don't do it um that's about it cons for fans the wooing i mentioned the booing uh not being able to hear shit If you're there having to deal with fucking casual idiots. And again, I don't like to weaponize that word, but dude, I was fucking, when I was at 223, I sat next to this guy from the Boston area. And literally, that card had like, because it had Kyle, it had Joe Lowe's on, I think, and uh, Calvin Cater, and maybe one other one. I'm pretty sure there were four. He was trying to fucking tell me the story, and this is not like necessarily a like casual thing because he knew. He was trying to tell me the story of these Boston fighters. I was like, bro, shut the fuck up. And then here's what really what really threw me over the edge the cutmen all had Boston Strong on their uh, shirt, on the back of their shirt. The Cutman the, and the commission members, I think, most probably just the cutmen. He was like, oh, is that guy from Boston? He's Boston Strong. I was like, no, bro, that's in honor of the fucking, uh, tragedy that happened there. Like, stop it. And, and, and when I was at fucking Final Atlantic City, uh, this guy showed up late as fuck, like halfway through the main card and be like, you took my spot. I specifically, uh reserved the end seat, the aisle seat or whatever. And I was like, hey man, they told us to sit wherever because they fucking fucked up. We ordered this seat too. And there was this whole thing and I almost got into a fight with that guy for no reason. And then we ended up being friends at the end. But I don't remember his name because fuck him. Anyways, that's for fans. Pro and con of no fans. Pro. You get to hear the trash talk. Pro. The fighters can hear the commentary. I guess you might have to also listen that in the con. Because sometimes it can affect the, the fight. But I still kind of like that. They get to hear everything from their corner. Um, No wooing. No booing. Con. We miss out on the crowd noise. Ooh. Yep. Going no fans for life. That's it. Oh, this is uh, another one of those uh, fans I was referencing earlier. This is my homie Microcosm at Microcosm, but it's spelled like his name is Mike. Very, very fucking one of my favorite names. Um he says how can one of these guys be the goat when fedor has already lived and like here's what i was talking about dude like if you want to call fedor the the heavyweight goat there's even some people who who think fedor is like the greatest of all time like in general like over gsp and john jones and Money mouse and it's like hey man if you want like to be on those kind of drugs like that's fine dude live your best life i won't argue with you but the 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 fedor being the the greatest heavyweight of all time has legs to stand on. It's just not my personal opinion because of, I think it's more of like an era thing. Like he was the best of that era, undoubtedly, and uh, his was it, like a 19 fight stretch is like legendary, but uh, like a win streak rather, not just fights. <laughs> like a nine, he had like a 19 fight win streak, legendary, and like the fights with Crow Cop and Noguera, like these are some of the best like heavyweight fights of all time. For me, like the resume of of Stipe has more weight now, or at least the way I like to look at it. Regardless of like like I don't like to put them in the same category as what I'm saying. I, I like to I like to say like Stipe is the modern goat, Fader is the old school goat. If that makes sense. Um, which again, I hate even saying that. Like I'm cringing. Like I don't like the whole goat conversation. And that is it. Uh, I mentioned earlier, if you want to get involved in the forum, you can check the, my, my page at FWM underscore pod on Twitter. I always put up the post pretty much right as the main event ends and then making my pin tweet. You can always check that for to drop a question there. Um, you can also email me at findingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. That's another way to send a, vo- a voice question if you want to record it on your own and attach it to the email. Or the best way, the most preferred way, is through anchor. Go to anchor.fm slash fighting with myself slash message. And uh, you can use that to send me a message or download the anchor app and just search fighting with myself. Click on message boom and there you are. there you have it. Now let us look forward to next week's fights we got um we got an interesting card that's uh taking place Next week on August 22nd. All right, so we have yet another fight night at the Apex. Yay! What is this, UFC Vegas 10 now? Just kidding, I think it's 7. Although if you're counting the pay-per-views, it probably will be the 10th event at the Apex in a row. Come on. Maybe that's just me. Well, right, none I guess Fight Island kind of broke it up. Then they went back to it. I don't know. This shit is for the birds. Just kidding, it's not for the birds. Uh, you know, I just I have to just air this grievance real quick so we can move on and I can keep a positive attitude. The UFC and Dana White uh, should be praised, should be thanked for giving us events to to have right now to watch as an escape from all the fucked up things that are going on in our world. Um, they also. Uh, are giving the fighters an opportunity to make money, which I am so grateful for, for them. But, but man, dude, like, find another venue, bro. Like, don't always have it at the Apex. Like, the first ones were in Jacksonville. Maybe maybe we bounce back and forth, at least. I don't know. That's just how I feel. Okay, so at present, for this fight card, which is headlined by Pedro Munoz versus Frankie Edgar, uh, they they have only listed a four-fight main card right now. If that sticks, I will be very surprised. Um, I have a feeling they are going to um, bump someone up or there's going to be another fight added. I really don't know. Like, the fact that there isn't more fights, like, I don't know if that's uh, a testament to some falling out. because you got to feel with the restrictions that are in place and and the system, we've been losing a lot of fights on fight week, not a lot, but consistently over the, you know, these pandemic events, you know, it seems like every other event, if not every event has had at least one fight fall out. And uh, again, I say that not to put like a bad juju on it. I'm just saying maybe they should uh, pad the deck a little bit. So you have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six prelims and four on the main card. So only 10 fights. Pretty light for a a UFC event. Um, I'm just going to talk about a few of the prelims that I am interested in. It's funny. They're they're both girl fights. Really love that. Uh, The first fight of the night that I'm looking forward to is Maria Agapova versus Shayna Dobson. Wow, dude. Maria Agapova beat the brakes off of Hannah Cyphers. And what she showed... First of all, the amazing striking, and then finish her with a rear naked choke. Obviously, there wasn't, like, a lot of wrestling in there, and um, Hannah didn't uh, put it on her as much as you would expect, like, to to, to be able to test some, uh, like, find whether or not there's holes in her game. But in my opinion, she looked pretty fucking incredible, dude. And she's going against Shayna Dobson, um, whenever Shayna Dobson fights, um... She kinda maybe a little bit looks like G, and so people are always like, G, you're fighting tonight. I think it's funny. Um because she plays along with it, she'll be like, I gotta work on my hands, bro, or whatever. It's really funny. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> G is gonna get lit the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry, G. No, Shayna Dobson is gonna get lit the fuck up. Um And I always whenever I think of Shayna Dobson, and this is cause she's like in the um Baltimore area i um, got some friends down there, my buddies at the MMA Marks, um, and she's also like a teacher, which is really cool, and uh, whenever someone is a teacher, I want them to win, because who who wants to like go to class, I mean, obviously, they're distance learning probably, or maybe she's not involved, because some of the parents are doing it, I don't know, um, but um, who wants to go to class after they get like beat up, and have the kids, like kids are ruthless, either, either they'll be traumatized and be like, why do you have a black eye, what happened, or... They'll be like, you suck, because <laughs> kids are ruthless. Um, but uh, I was saying whenever I, I think of Shana Dobson, I think of the time that she was supposed to fight Bombali. M- M- Molly. Um, I don't know if that was actually signed or agreed to, or they were just going back and forth on Twitter. And um, fucking Shana was like, I'll bring in, uh, I got Baltimore behind me. I got uh, Texas behind me. I got Jamaica, because I guess she's Jamaican. Fucking Meatball Molly was like, bring Baltimore, bring Texas, bring Jamaica. I only need Liverpool. And I was just, I, I felt that. I'm not even from Liverpool, and I felt that. God bless Meatball Molly. If you don't like Meatball Molly, you fucking wear Crocs with socks. And not the new ones. Not the good ones. The old, nasty ones. Just kidding. So am really looking forward to that. I think Maria Agapova, like, I'm not a betting man, but I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and like I said, I'm not really giving my picks. I'm just sort of giving a bit of a preview here. But, you know, put money on, uh, on Maria Agapova, I guess. Um, the next fight is, a sorry, that, that's in the 125-pound um, division. The next fight is in the strawweight division. Amanda Lemos versus Mizuki Inoue. And I always get excited for uh, Mizuki fights because of her lineage, basically. The Inoue family, like Ensign Inoue, Naoki Inoue. Love that. And uh, her last fight against Wu Yanan, uh, that was a fucking great fight. And she's had some some bangers in Invicta in as well. Um had a split decision with Virna Janjiroba. Even though I, I feel like I get it right, I have to like gear up to say her name. Virna Janjiroba. Love that name. I just I really do. <laughs> yeah, uh really looking forward to to this Mizuki fight. I think if she works on some of the holes in her her ground game and stuff like that, I think she could be a really good contender in that division either way I, I feel like she she puts on exciting fights and I'm super excited so that's it for the prelims now opening up the main card is Daniel Rodriguez versus Takashi Sato um, Takashi Sato is fucking awesome uh, if you'll remember a few weeks ago on the Poirier versus Hooker card he knocked the fuck out of Jason Witt dude I mean, he knocked the fuck out of Jason Witt. That was a nasty KO. It's listening on his record as a TKO. I think because I think Jason Witt, well, like, he dropped him. Like, Sato dropped him. And then he just recovered immediately and had to do some follow-up shots. But, bro, give that man a, T- a, a KO on his record. And if you look at his record, it's filled with fucking uh, KOs and TKOs. He's got 11 wins by TKO. He also got submitted by Malal Muhammad um, at 242. Also beat the fuck out of Ben Saunders. Uh, The guy's an animal. And he's fighting Daniel Rodriguez, who... is a bright star in the welterweight division. I believe he had a banger with Tim Means. I just... I feel like this has fight of the night written all over it. And I got to stop saying that because I feel like whenever we say that, (laughs) it doesn't end up being true. Like, you know, the MMA gods, to Yugi's point, are fucking ruthless. They don't give a fuck what you think is going to be a fight of the night. Um, They're going to surprise you. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Now, the next fight is is in the light heavyweight division. Marcin Prachnio versus Mike Rodriguez. I remember uh, Mike Rodriguez's last fight with Un Jung on the um, Frankie Edgar versus Korean Zombie card in Busan. That was tough. He got knocked down in the first round, in the first minute of the fight. But he's had some other uh, good fights. He debuted in the UFC against Devin Clark. It was a 223. I was there. Um. And uh, he fought on the uh, Kevin Lee versus Ally Quinta 2 card in Milwaukee. The last Fox card, worth noting. And uh, beat the fuck out of Adam Milstead. So he's kind of had uh, some ups and downs in the UFC. I'm looking for him to bounce back. Although, whenever there is a a name that's hard to pronounce, like Marcin Prochneo. Especially in light heavyweight, I feel like they're gonna come in and do work. he's I mean, just gonna wrestle fuck him, you know. Either way, gonna be awesome. Now OSP versus Alonzo Menefield. OSP has had some ups and downs. Uh he last fought Ben Rothwell at heavyweight, and that was a split decision. For me, I think it was uh a clear win for Ben Rothwell. And then he he choked the fuck out of uh, Michal Oleksiechuk with the, with the Von Prue choke. I like calling it that, the Von pru choke. But then I also, I do hate answering the question. I hate, but whenever whenever he does that, I get questions like, should we just change the name to Von prue I'm like, well, it was named the guy who invented it, even though, you know, he, that guy only did it once in the UFC, and uh, OSP has done it like four times in the UFC. I made it up, I think it's like three, whatever, you get the point. Um... I think a, a name still stands, like fucking the Darcy choke was named after Jason Darcy, I believe, and my ham just called it like, oh, you got me in the Darcy, um, and fucking Tony Ferguson has done a bunch of them. Do we call it the Tony Ferguson choke? Maybe we should. <laughs> and he's taking on Alonzo Menafield. man. Alonzo Menafield um, first like surprised me. Uh, well, I remember when he he. Beat the fuck out of Vinicius Moreira. Moreira? I think it's Moreira, Um, Who everyone was calling Brazilian Ariel Helwani because he just had, like, a big nose and looked sort of like Ariel, but not really. Um, that one didn't really impress me. The Paul Craig one impressed me. I was I was hoping for Paul Craig to get one of those Hail Mary submissions, and I think he almost had one locked up, but then, for the most part, Alonzo Minifield just beat the fuck out of him. But uh, his last fight was against Devin Clark, who just... Grinded him and wore him out. Um, do I think OSP can do that? Maybe, but I have a feeling this fight is mostly going to be contested on the feet. Um, certainly, you would think it favors the younger, athletic striker, more athletic striker. Um, both of worth noting, both of them were former football players. Whatever that means to you. Definitely looking forward to this one. Whenever there's a light heavyweight on on, on the card, I feel like eh, it's hit or miss. Um, it's more hit than miss like heavyweight is pretty hit or miss, but this is more hit And now we're moving on to the main event, dude. And like I said, uh, I'm not giving my picks Anymore But you guys know I always ride with frankie edgar. He's from new jersey Um, his coach mark henry, uh, is a customer of of where I work, which i'm not going to tell you Um, it's just he has a strong connection to my area. I fucking love frankie edgar as well um, seeing him lose to Korean Zombie made me super sad. He was supposed to debut... That was supposed to be his bantamweight debut. He was supposed to fight Corey Sanhagen, and then they called him up, and for some reason, they thought he was going to be able to do both. Have you seen Korean Zombie fights? Even the winner is like... Like, Yair didn't fight for over a year. Or his Chael would say, Yair. Fuck out here, Chael. Uh Yeah, Pedro Munoz, though is really fucking elite. He lost to Aljamain Sterling in his last fight. Before that, he knocked out Cody Garbrandt, got a TKO against Brian Caraway, and a, a unanimous decision against Brett Johns. Uh, this is going to be an incredible fight. I have a feeling it's going to go the distance. However, I will say this. Pedro Munoz has a nasty guillotine. The one he got against uh, Russell Doan and D- Justin Scoggins back to back, and then got it again shortly thereafter against Rob Font. This shit is nasty. I saw a Gracie breakdown of it, and if if you're uh, listening to this before, um, like well before the fight, and you have time, go look that up. Pedro Munoz Gracie breakdown. He teaches Henner how to do it, and he tells Henner how he, as a because he's so little as well, he climbs up his legs. Um, closer to the armpits, so like he doesn't lock the guard um, like around their waist. He climbs up so he has more leverage and cranks it. And he, even Henner was like tap 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 right away. Like the shit is so tight. Um, he's nasty on the ground. And if Frankie tries to wrestle, the guillotine is there. So I'm worried, dude. I'm really worried uh, for Frankie. But uh, I just hope uh, they give us a war. And uh, I hope everyone makes weight. This fight, you know, where we're supposed to get it in Fight Island and one of them tested positive. I think it was Frankie. I think Pedro Munoz was talking about uh, maybe fighting Ricky Simone or someone else was like saying that they could uh, that they could fight or maybe it was no I think it was Pedro Munoz and then Frankie Edgar was debating whether or not to stick around. Fucking A man. These are the fights. Uh, Four or five main card like I said right, right now that's what it's being billed as. And I think that's going to change. I don't know, but that's my prediction. Also of note, Austin Hubbard is uh, making his return to the card fighting Joe Salaki. don't know much about Joe, so I didn't want to preview that one. But Austin Hubbard just um, beat the fuck out of Max Roshkoff. So that should be that should be amazing. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. You can uh, send the podcast an email at fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. Black Lives Matter. Still going to say it. Still not done. Until there is justice everywhere, we have to keep saying it. And... uh, That's about it. Good night and good fights.